0: Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Welcome back to A Real Creature Feature. I'm your host, Mac. I'm Mike. I'm Dean. And uh, today we will have our last episode about wyverns and probably the most definitive... Actual answers, because we really have a lot more information that we could use rather than like a theoretical. How could something spit out fire or have wings that could produce like keep something up? That's really, really big. This time we're just going to be talking about their metabolism and stuff like that. So I have a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. What do you know about something that's cold blooded versus warm blooded? Uh,
1: Well, cold blooded. Uh, they have to sit out and sun to get warm. They have to find shade to get co to go cool. They can hibernate if it's
2: really cold out. Uh, I, as far as I always know, the idea is, well, because animals are, because warm blooded animals with their movement, they tend to stay hot no matter, because that's why we don't have a whole lot of, Large, you don't tend to get warm blooded animals larger than elephants because if they did, they'd be large, they'd be so large they would cook themselves.
0: What about whales?
2: They, oh, they live in the water, so they are cooled by the waters,
0: which actually is very true. Yeah, okay. Uh, so this is from a website, uh, www.vedantu.com biology or oh, slash biology slash difference between cold blooded and warm blooded. Um wanted to cite where I got... like. So this is also basic information, but I still feel bad about like just ripping it from different websites. No,
2: It's okay, you can source as you need to.
0: Yeah, so cold-blooded animals. Animals that cannot regulate their internal body temperature according to that of the changing environment. Normally, they find it difficult to survive in extreme conditions. Examples, reptiles and fish. Which is weird that they said extreme conditions, because I'm like, uh you can find reptiles like everywhere. Um like uh now you don't find as many in the extremes of like uh extreme cold, but I'm pretty sure you find a lot of them in extreme heat, like the desert. Because we have a mm-hmm. lot of desert animals there too. So I was just like, that's weird. Uh warm blooded animals. Animals that can regulate and maintain a constant internal temperature of the body. Warm-blooded animals can maintain a constant internal body temperature and survive in any temperature range as they adapt to harsh conditions of any kind of environment. Examples, birds, mammals, and humans. Oh, and mammals, including humans. (laughs) Because that would have been a Uh, really weird thing to say. We are special. Don't forget it. We We aren't
1: on any family tree. Yes, we are. We we fell off the tree years ago, human. We, we were a different tree, and we cut it down to build our house.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird. Okay, so, there, uh, so this is actually kind of cool. Uh, so uh, just like everything in nature, there is no definitive black and white answer to things. Uh, so I'm also going to be going through a bunch of different terms so we can explain some of this. Because, like, there is no this is what warm-blooded means. This is what cold-blooded means in the sense of you can have some wiggle room between a couple things. Uh, for example, uh, this is a term, this basically means what is uh, another, a more scientific term for warm-blooded is an endotherm, meaning like it produces its own heat as compared endothermic. to- Endothermic. Yep, endothermic. And uh, then there's also ectothermic, which is cold-blooded, meaning gets it from the outside. Uh, there's homothermic and poikilothermic. I'm going to double check that I said that properly. Poikilotherm. Poikilotherm. Yeah. I was just like, that's a lot of syllables. Um, Thank you, sultry lady voice. Yeah. So, uh, and poikilotherm, animals describe whether temperature is constant. Okay.
2: Poikilotherm is also my favorite
0: Pokemon. (laughs) Ha! So, uh, homeotherm animals are, have a constant body temperature regardless of the external influence and they normally have a high body temperature homeotherm animals are endothermic or warm-blooded animals um so yeah we have have a temperature of 98.6 uh i learned cats have an internal temperature that's higher than ours it's like in in the hundreds like 102 wow. i think like it's normal yeah. temperature knowing
2: that is there a max temperature that a warm-blooded
0: animal can reach? Um, I don't know. I know for us it's like 105, 106. Nice. Because that's when our DNA actually or like DNA and a whole bunch of other stuff starts breaking down. Ooh. It's really dangerous, but that's like if our internal temperature is that way. But at 112, I guess that's when it starts feeling painful like in the environment or something. Yeah. I one of the things I was looking at. And, like, cats can actually get up to, like, 126 wow. before the environment, for, okay. and before they start feeling pain. But, yeah, that, that was a different tangent that I was looking at, and I was like, okay, I don't really... Weird. Because I remember something about, like, cats being one of those, like, weird in-between things, maybe, but I was yeah. like, okay, this is a distraction. <laughs> so, uh, this is from Wikipedia. Uh, poikilotherm is an animal whose internal temperature varies considerably. Poikilotherms have to survive and adapt environmental stress. Uh, one of the most important stressors is temperature change, which can lead to alteration of membrane lipid or uh, bleh, alteration in membrane lipid order, and can cause protein unfolding. Which that's what I was talking about. Like once stuff gets really, really hot, it just starts literally breaking apart. Uh, denaturation of elevated temperatures. It is the opposite of homeotherm, obviously, mm-hmm. and an animal which maintains thermal homo- homeostasis. Wow, while the term in principle can apply to all any oh, the term can apply to all organisms it is generally applied to animals and mostly vertebrates, mostly okay. vertebrates yeah. uh, usually fluctuates or con variation at ambient temperature temperature blah, blah, blah. many terrestrial exotherms are pecheelic however the the exoderm, exotherm I can't say words in temperature constant environments to point blah, 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 blah. okay animals that include or a lot of vertebrates oh uh here's this is a, this is why I kept reading it uh pelcheliothermic animals include types of vertebrate animals specific specifically some fish amphibians and reptiles, as well as invertebrate animals. The naked mole rat and sloths are some of the rare mammals, which are pocheliothermic. And that yeah. one I thought was really interesting.
2: I What is, what's up with that? What makes them so special that they get to be pocheliotherms?
0: I think it's for, for naked mole rats, they're basically subterranean anyway. Yeah. So that might have something to do with it. And, um, Sloths live in, tr- in like, the, near the equator, so it's a constant temperature generally. Yeah. And they have a very slow metabolism.
1: Okay. Now I want to watch uh, True Facts about the naked Role mole <laughs> rat by uh, Z. Frank because mm-hmm. they can live up to 100 years. Really? I didn't know that. If I
0: remember the thing correctly.
2: Google it. I'm, I'm working on it right now.
0: Yeah, because I'm like that. Whoa, we've never heard of mammals uh, routinely being able to do something like that. Yeah, especially these tiny animals. Longevity, Yeah. You know, Ichemo rats. Uh, well, they are. It's not a
2: hundred years, but it is extraordinarily long for a rodent. Period. Thirty. Uh, it's up to thirty-two
0: years, according
1: okay. to. Wow. Maybe it's a hundred years equivalent. Eh,
0: yeah. Maybe. But yeah, that's wow. Because uh, I'm like, gorillas live up to thirty. Yeah.
2: Yeah, as far as they am, I mean, rodents tend to have very short life, tend to have very short
0: uh, lifespans, period. I learned this about uh, opossums, that uh, they live like only five years. Oh And it's like, they, I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Oh, even cooler, oh, and sadder at the same time. Uh, all squid and octopi and cuttlefish, like all the uh, pseudopods. Yeah. They live only like five years what and i mean oh. even the giant squid wow. only lives five years and it was just like what but since they don't have bones obviously they can grow a lot faster so that probably makes yeah. sense but it was just like whoa it's so weird about that
2: these are these are like the naked mora, it seems like okay i know we're getting real off topic talking about the naked rat, but i've learned way more about these things than i was expecting they are basically like mammalian tardigrades <laughs> They're like resistant to a yeah. ton of stuff like
0: like oxygen deprivation and cancers. I guess that explains why they're um, one of the villains in the fallout. Season. Yeah, because you get giant mole rats and giant cockroaches. Yep. Oh, And they're also just I hate to say this, but very few cute naked mole rats out there uh, that you might get an email about because I know a lot of people think they're adorable. Oh, but also, you know, they,
2: yeah, those are the people who watch Kim Possible and haven't actually seen a real one.
0: Yeah. Also, they might be the same people who think a oh, Pug's cute. Okay, <laughs> I feel, oh, I feel so bad for the Pug.
2: I don't I don't think the Pug is cute. I pity the poor Pug. We've <laughs> mutated them
1: too bad uh, by interbreed, you know, by yeah. selective breeding
2: them. Good news, though. They're they're trying to breed that out of them now. Finally. Yeah. They they've started with. I, uh... They've had some.
0: Uh, bulldog Akita yep. mix earlier yep. today. And I was like, wow, that looks way better. Yeah, it does. And it looks like it can actually breathe. Yeah, oh, those uh, poor babies. Oh, this one actually, I... this might be interesting. So poikilotherm animals it... must, must be able to function over a wide range of temperatures. Uh, a wider range of animal uh, ra- temperatures than homeotherms, which kind of sounds weird since the other thing said that it can't survive long, large ranges. So that's interesting. Uh, the speed of most chemical reactions vary with temperatures. And in order to function, uh, uh, pocheliotherms may have four to ten enzymes, systems that operate at different temperatures for an important chemical reaction. which is That, that actually is interesting that you would have. S- that's f- super complicated. As a r- result, pocheliotherms often have larger more compl- complex genomes than homeotherms in the same ecological niche. Frogs are a notable example of this effect, though their complex development is also an important factor to their large genome. So yeah, like our genome, we we have uh, 46 chromosomes, uh 23 pairs, and it's actually really kind of cool when you actually look at different animals. Uh, oh, this is actually really neat. Uh, so rabbits and hares aren't the same speed, like you know they're not like they're not the same species but they're also uh, actually very more distantly apart uh than others than you would think.
2: Mm.
0: They're not closely related as you would think that would be the how you would talk yeah. if you're a normal person. Hey. Yeah. Um so uh despite the difference between rabbits and hares animals diverged evolutionarily uh only 1.5 to 1 million years ago. Oh, oh man. Dang it. I really wanted to f- because it was really kind of cool because like they literally have a different number of chromosomes. No, base. Ah, oh, damn it. No that's not it. Yeah. Oh well. Uh they have yeah, they have different number of chromosomes. Okay. And you'd think something that looks so similar they would have, you know, a similar genetic yeah. background?
2: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, so next term is a heterothermy or is heterothermy is a physiological term for animals that can vary between self-regulating their body temperatures and allowing the environment to affect it now this one actually is really neat because um these this is basically animals that hibernate mm. so heterothermic animals are those that can switch between uh, poly and or ploily and helmo the chain duh, 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 duh. but yeah basically it's when they need to, they can, like, go into hibernation mode. So some birds can do this, ground squirrels, bats, and, like, and bears, obviously, and bears. Mm-hmm. Now, the cool thing about bears is, uh, so there's, like, a different degrees of hibernation. I know yeah. that. So, like, if you compare, like, a bat's hibernation to a bear's, um, it's they're very different. Like, a bat's hibernation, you can actually kind of, like, pick them up and move them around a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, you're, you shouldn't do that because you'd be screwing with them but they don't really wake up a bear. A bear can wake up mm-hmm. and you don't want a bear woken up when you, you know, from hibernation sleep too early. Cause then they're extra cranky. Yeah. But,
1: bears don't have true hibernation. No.
0: Yeah. yeah. They go into
2: more of like a deep, like almost torpor state instead of yeah. actual, like true hibernation.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's actually kind of cool. Uh, I was yeah. learning about this with other bears and they're like, um, so bears, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Oh, lady bears can have babies while hibernating. Wow! Yeah, so it's like, yep. Oh, think about that. That would also be very interesting. Like, you go to sleep, you wake up, you have uh, a little fuzzy thing sucking at your teat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's that's interesting. <laughs> right.
1: God didn't curse them with the birth
0: pains. Yeah, really yeah. didn't. But yeah, they also are a lot bigger than us, and they like that was a huge thing with our evolution. Is when we became uh, bipedal, it really kind of messed with our ability to reproduce, like produce offspring, hmm. because of how everything rearranged as compared to four-legged animals.
1: It didn't help that our brain, our brains got bigger, so it yep. takes. Uh... That's part of the reason why infants take longer than baby kittens and that stuff to be able to do things on their own because that big of a head has to go out of a tighter space because we're upright.
0: Yep, and we and our babies are um, basically... uh, What's a good word for it? Useless, I guess, would be the only term because they can't do anything for themselves for... A very very long time and it's because if we allowed them to like be able to be as productive as like a horse that can walk right away uh, their heads wouldn't fit through the hip canal <laughs> stupid babies be more useful yeah okay uh, so this this next yeah. term actually is going to be very very important for us okay okay so it's giganto- giganthothermy it's a phenomenal None that with significance in biology and paleontology, whereby large bulky ectothermic animals are more easily able to maintain a constant temperature relatively or comma relatively high body temperature than smaller animals by virtue of their small surface to uh, volume ratio. Hmm. So basically big animals produce lots of heat. So, therefore, they can be uh, false, I guess, endotherms in many aspects. Oh. Uh, a bigger animal has proportionally less of it, its body close to the outside environment than a smaller animal of otherwise similar shape. So, it gains heat from, uh, comma, or loses heat to the environment much more slowly. Oh. Uh, yeah. the because phenomenon, they're thick. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Um the phenomenon is important to in the biology of ectothermic megafauna, such as large turtles and aquatic reptiles, like the ichthyosaur and mesosaur. Gigantotherms also allow ectothermic wait. Though almost always ectothermic. Okay, I can't read. Clearly. Generally have body temperature similar to an endotherm. Um it has been suggested that large dinosaurs would have been gigantothermic, rendering them virtually homeothermic. Which, uh, so yeah, if you ever watch like the old, old uh, videos of um, the claymation dinosaurs, it's really interesting because they're always lumbering and slow and boom, boom, boom. They kind of talk about that at the beginning of Jurassic Park. And then in Jurassic Park, they're moving like real animals. And that's that's why they can probably do that, even if they are cold-blooded, because they produce so much heat that their bodies can be like, yep, I'm good. Let's keep going.
1: So Those are, uh, um, shoot, Gygaxotherms?
0: Uh, Gigantothermic. Oh, Gigantother. Yeah. Not Gygax. Gygax to D&D. Well, it'd be, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, it, it, I was thinking <laughs> okay. Geiger actually when I was thinking about it. A An, an HR uh, Geiger therm. Yeah, Giganta.
1: Giganta. Oh, we don't even want to know what an HR Geiger therm would be.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, it's oh, okay. a vagina
1: uh, with two penises.
0: Ooh, hooray! Okay. Uh, subsequently, gigantothermic endotherms would have not would not have to eat as much as large endotherms that need to maintain a constant influx of food to meet energy demands. Although animal lions are, such, are much smaller than crocodiles, the lions must eat more often than crocodiles because of the higher metabolic output necessary to maintain the lion's heat and energy crocodiles need only lie in the sun to digest more quickly and synthesize ATP. So I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's we waste, technically we waste a lot of energy just existing uh, because of all, because of our maintaining of our temperature. But you know, like everything, there's good things and bad things. And the good thing about it is that we are, we can be more easily active. As compared to uh, like a crocodile, which they kind of do need to sunbathe more. And they also probably heat easily too. Uh, So, there's also another term. Because uh, I was also wondering about like, well, what do we think dinosaurs really were? And this comes from LiveScience.com. Uh, dinosaurs, warm-blooded growth rates. So this is actually was actually really kind of cool when I was looking at it so dinosaurs once thought to be cold-blooded kings of the mesozoic era but new research now on, no new research on their growth rates suggests the prehistoric beasts grew much grew just as fast as mammals indicating they were warm-blooded creatures however not everyone agrees with the, the results and some paleontologists suggest they fell in a middle ground they were somehow like both So they dubbed the term mesotherms, because, you know, mesozoic.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Dinosaurs are considered reptiles, so scientists had assumed the beasts were cold-blooded, like their kin, meaning they depended on the environment to regulate their body temperature. The sluggish metabolism of cold-blooded dinosaurs would have forced it to lumber slowly across ancient scape. A warm-blooded dinosaur, however... Would have controlled its own body temperature and been able to equip be been equipped with a quicker metabolism. Such a behemoth could have jaunted around its home. So yeah, like I was talking about earlier, where it's, um, you know, there when you have all that energy, like energy to, that you can like have more readily available, like we we do. We are able to react to things a little bit differently. Like, have you ever seen like a, a somebody basically walking up to a crocodile and then they kind of just jerk. It's cause they're kind of storing all their energy for that quick action. Oh, uh, it's, Oh, it's really kind of cool. Cause it's like, um, like, uh, snapping turtles, snapping turtles, oh. just sit at the bottom of lakes and stuff, dangle their little worm looking tongue, waiting for yeah. something to just like attack its tongue. And then they just snap, just hence snapping oh. turtle. And yeah. it just releases all that energy into the bike. Wow. Uh, in at um, point, my I had a herpetology class, and it was really neat because he had an alligator snapping turtle, and he'd like, you know, stick a pencil in his mouth, and yeah, it just.
2: Ooh. Yeah. That's. Uh, <laughs> I know um, Dad and I have run into uh, one snapping turtle once that was in the. I don't know what it was trying to do, but it was somewhere close to the middle of the road mm-hmm. and oh poor and guy. oh yeah well <laughs> well you know my dad weirdly enough he's a he is a good as far as environmental conservatism go he's real good at it mm-hmm. he grabbed it by the sides and just lifted it and got it to the other side of the road that it was trying to get to yep. and like the whole way this thing just went from like pretty docile to just Snapping like a mother, yeah. all just the entire time until he was let down.
0: Yeah, i I haven't done I haven't uh, picked up a snapping turtle to help across the street, but I have helped yeah. a turtle or two. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things you really have to be careful where you put your hand uh, yeah. for like tur- turtles in general because some of them uh, have really, really longs. Yeah. And they can, and it just like, it comes out of almost nowhere and they can just bite you. Well, I mean, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out from, well, like, you know, like it's basically in their body. Yeah. And like, like how it's like kind of curled up. You just don't see it. And then it comes out and it's like, oh yeah. Or, uh, but uh, one of the things I learned, which was actually really, really cool about uh, turtles was um, soft shelled turtles are more aggressive.
2: Can't imagine why. (laughs) I I don't know why, but... I think they have something to
0: prove. Yeah, probably. But maybe it's because they don't have to lug around all that weight. I don't know. I would have to actually look into it. I just remember that. So, uh, basically, after looking at, like, going through all that stuff, I was like, okay, so, our wyvern probably would be, uh, if, depending on what it is, more likely it would be either warm-blooded, because, like, eventually, if it's, like, from now... Evolutionally mm-hmm. thinking like birds evolved to be warm-blooded so they can be more more active so they are either going to be warm-blooded or they're going to be like this mesothermic uh gigantothermic yeah and uh so because of that i thought of something that was actually really kind of cool of explaining why they hoard and like to live under the ground a lot in like different fantasies okay so uh Basically, like, you know, if they're kind of can't control the regular, like regulate their body temperatures, uh, you know, there's a potential, but they are still really big and stuff like that. Maybe they do have a tendency to overheat or something like that. So you live underground to help yourself cool down during the, the hottest times of the day. And uh, gold and silver and copper are really, really good conductors of energy. Like the best conductor of energy is silver but, and then copper and then it's gold. So it was like, you know, you know what a lot of people have in their fancy, fancy, um, like hordes of money that they keep lots of gold and silver. Gold. Yeah. So it was like, Oh, if you make a, like a bait giant bed of that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it would help you cool down a lot faster. And like, if you, and a lot of times with that is like, cause then I was thinking about like, if it was a, fl- a flamethrowing dinosaur, Or not dinosaur Mm -hmm. dragon, uh maybe that's why it and like they would hoard their gold and then like oh wait but would that be a learned behavior or would that be an instinctive thing? Because I'm like how would that be instinctive as much? And I was like maybe the fire breathing dragons could also be like smarter because that would be a learned behavior that they pass down and because a lot of times with uh depending on the creature. Uh, you can have like the difference between being learned and instinctive and a lot of instinctive animals they seem smart but it's because they don't really think outside their own little box because why would you you already have your instincts telling you what to do and uh but they're and so they're really good right out the bat when they're born as compared to like us where we have to learn a lot of stuff we're kind of useless for many many years but we are have more range in thought process. We can do more stuff. And it's kind (laughs) of neat. Oh, no. Hey, Dean, what does
2: the Flight of Dragons tell us about all this?
1: Well, according to the science that they use, they use that as bedding because it's the softest metal gold is. Which is, I don't know
0: if it's, I don't know if it is. It's
1: more comfortable for them because it's a softer metal.
0: Yeah. Du, 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 du.
1: <clears throat> Pushing up my glasses. <laughs>
0: uh, this metal. Uh, du, 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 du. Oh, cesium. Cesium. Cesium is rare and it's very, very, very soft. And I'm pretty sure like lithium and stuff like that is also yeah. way softer. Yeah. Back not. to focus. <laughs> yeah, back to focus. Okay. Uh, But yeah. Uh, And then I was, and then I'm like, you know, we're talking about their metabolism. So actually we'd have to talk about their diet, everything else. And basically I'm just going to go with, they were definitely probably meat eaters because meat, like the thing about meat eater uh, carnivores versus like uh, herbivores is that carnivores have way more ready access to energy. Cause think about a cow. What is a cow p- probably doing most of its day chewing on
2: grass?
0: Yeah. It's, it's constantly grazing. It always needs to eat. Like you ever learn about like how much uh, grass and other wheat and a whole bunch of other stuff that, and grain, oh, that was the word that yeah. Cows eat today. it's just like, what? that's a large amount of oh, stuff yeah. that you are. They have to slowly digest because it turns out they also can't process any of that material because that's why they have all that, the four chambered stomachs. Yep. <laughs> and it was like, Oh rip, And it, all of that stuff gets processed and turned into meat so that we can eat it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's, they were definitely, oh, so, would be, they would be carnivores.
2: So what you're saying is I'm a vegetarian by proxy.
0: Yes. Okay. 100%. Mm,
2: yeah.
0: protein. Yeah, but like when we were talking about, um, the, uh, like the different, um, mechanism for extraordinary breath, maybe they could also, uh, be considered omnivores because they would have other things in their diet too, Mm -hmm. like eating different grains and stuff like that, that they would need. Yeah.
1: Eating limestone so that they can produce hydrogen.
0: Yeah. Uh, This is also kind of cool because every so often you'll see it on the internet where people freak out about uh, seeing a deer eat meat or cows. (laughs) And it's like, Uh, well, yeah, it's because it's a ready form of energy. It's why would you not? Oh, you know, deers don't have top teeth uh i think they just only have scissors
2: they have top yeah They if it, it's it's weird it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen
1: okay oh, seen...
2: same thing with cows ah don't even no you need to know this
1: Thanks, hmm. infinity train
2: oh lord oh wait uh, deer skull nope they just have the in... the right, yeah, like cows i think they just have oh the
0: yeah end. they have incisors, but it's only on the front of their their lower jaw
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they but they they don't have any incisors on the top of their oh. uh, upper jaw but yeah there's a gap like that and yeah um i think it's the same thing with cows because seen it and it's weird but uh, a lot of people uh, let cows suck on their arms oh yeah and i was just like what my cows doing? on the hobby farm huh? know, cows. They are... huh. yep they okay. also have teeth but they just yeah. don't have the uh their top teeth yeah. They do. Great. Uh
2: thanks for bringing that
0: up now. The you, you in my nightmare. That's what they sound like. That's a fact. That's canon. I I agree and I believe in you. <laughs> I I believe your them. words.
1: Speaking of cannons, dragons. Fart yeah.
0: cannons. What? They fart cannons?
1: Yeah, they they're legendarily known for farting and making large booming sounds when uh, they do. I've never heard this. Oh, it's a legendary thing. Um, you know, it's one of those casual stereotypes that I've made learned over right the away.
0: years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, depending on the mechanism for how they produce their uh, fire effect. I don't think that would ever really work to be farting fire because of like when we say like talking about it mixing in the air in front of them. It's like, yeah, I guess you could technically have it that it does definitely needs an aerobic environment to like combust. So, like, I guess, like, if they drink some of that and it mixes and it's like goes all the way through it. But I would think that it might have a mechanism to recollect that because that's important material that you don't want to. It waste. can help propel them. Yeah.
2: No, it
1: like can't. Like
2: man.
0: Uh, oh, geez. The,
2: the um, <laughs> How long do you fart? Well, I mean, OK, now are we, are we talking like on a good day or a bad day? And what do you define as a good day, I guess?
0: I guess. Yeah, but no, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you, like, a normal fart, of it, yeah, that's as long as you're going to have any kind of propellant.
1: But that's a... Dragon yeah. has a lot more room for making that in its gut. <laughs> I guess?
2: You're, you're, you're scaring the boy. Dean, please. Dean, <laughs> please, you're scaring the boy.
0: Uh, oh, and we probably also should... End. So... Uh, yeah, like I said, this is probably gonna be our last episode of uh, the Wyverns. Eventually, we're gonna also uh, talk about an actual dragon where it has four legs and two wings. Uh, but I also kind of want to get more, I want to eventually, if we get enough followers or enough listeners or whatever, that we can actually do interviews with actual doctor level scientists, not just yeah. my stupid level scientist. Uh, and uh, so I'm like, I we. Put probably should uh, should establish what our dragon kind of looks like mm. verbally because uh, eventually i will like to draw this but this is one of those things like it i don't have time for that yeah uh so well, it's okay. going to be a lot more gangly than what we think of like a lot more skinny because that's a it's a lot of weight
2: so is this going to be, be our uh, so this is going to be the for the essentially like four limb two wing like the whole six limb dragon or would you have like wyvern
0: this is for the wyvern okay. yeah this is the wyvern we're talking about wyvern yeah our wyvern
1: paws are also its wings
0: yes yeah and uh, but yeah it would be kind of have to be a ganglier and but it would look probably more substantial than the quetzalcoatl Lasora thingy because yeah. it, it's going to have to be both ter- more terrestrial so like the the giant Pterosaur was probably looked very awkward uh, on land, so it'd probably have a little bit beefier arms because of that, mm. and better uh, dexterity in a larger breastbone wing hands. No, you wouldn't have dexterity yeah. in a breastbone. If I wasn't
1: that... saying you were saying oh. larger arms, and then oh. I was saying a larger. I wasn't saying it had a prehensile breastbone
0: sternum. Sternum. The term is sternum. Also, yeah. no, I was saying oh, that I they know. would have, they have beefier, beefier arms for walking on land. I'm, I'm looking at on a Wyvern with lines. a prehensile
2: sternum right now.
1: <laughs> Just say uh, you were saying larger arms for that, and I jumped and it, on the word larger because it would have a larger chest,
0: yes, but it probably would have the same size chest as the uh, ter- giant pterosaur. <laughs> Maybe, and then our dragon would be probably more gangly than we would imagine it to be because you can't have something super bulky because how would the, it couldn't fly. And then, uh, like I said, it, but and like I was saying, the coolest thing about like it being like part of another branch of evolution is like you can have a wide range of things. So like you could still have a maybe a bigger one that uh but you know it would have to be even more skinny um and then you could have little ones that are like the size of birds which would be kind of cool to see like a little bird that uh sp- spurts out fire mm-hmm. and that would be kind of cool oh uh i and i uh the circle back to um the metabolism this was actually this is also went with like if the dragons like you know slept on gold like they might be smarter um so there's uh a Theory about like when we started getting more developed brains is because we started cooking our food because we yeah. could, because then we have more, it's easier to get that nutrients, get those nutrients and stuff from our food. Um, uh, so I was like, maybe then yeah. Firebreath of the Dragons could be smarter, like you see in a lot of fantasy movies and fantasy uh books, even though you don't see them because they're books. Yeah. Uh, and was, I was always like, oh, that'd be kind of cool, like a nice correlation because you know, we're technically smarter than apes and there are relatives. We didn't evolve from them. We evolved with them. Uh, same thing with our different branches of Dracana. Yeah. Oh, nice word. I was thinking like four, Anna yeah. Dracana. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, Oh, that'd be kind of cool. And then, you know, you can still have so many different things in these. Cause uh, I think in a lot of different uh, books and lores and stuff, they also have like uh, the Quetzalcoatl kind of bird dragons where it's yeah. like they have the feathered serpent yeah so i was like ooh, neat <laughs> yeah so like the basic framework of what i i'm putting out there is uh kind of a skinny dragon yeah okay. that has things that can s- squirt something and uh is a meat eater and that's the <laughs> that's the scent <laughs> and then like you could probably make up anything um variations that you want you could have super bright colored and stuff like that the yeah that's a bit coolest thing is like you basically can mix and match same thing like when you like draw a a dinosaur now you can include feathers Mm -hmm. and so like I'm not saying we're gonna include feathers for this but there should be a lot of cool stuff
2: yeah Mm -hmm. oh oh that is cool um and I think it's I mean especially now that we're learning more especially about the Idea of what dinosaurs may have looked like, mm. and you know, finding finding whole dinosaurs mm. nowadays. Yeah. I know that's meaning. I know that realistically, that's absolutely meaningless. Because yes,
0: sadly,
1: but just remember the rock fact: dinosaurs had had ears, but because they were made out of cartilage, there's no, oh there's yeah, no ears on their skeletons.
0: <laughs> yep. if you look yeah. at like our ears if you like compared to yeah. just our skulls we'd look you wouldn't know what that yeah so like there is it's actually really neat um yeah. because people always have that joke about like you know how would we, how do we know what dinosaurs really look like when you like look at the skulls of animals now blah 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 like we if an alien looked and they saw this uh they wouldn't think a what was it um hippopotamus would look like what it does yeah. and it was like Yes, to a point, because we actually do have markers. Like you can actually see connecting yeah. points on our skulls. So yeah, there you won't have a perfect idea of what someone can like look like, but you can have a very uh uh broad, like a you're going to be in the same ballpark of what someone's yeah. going to look like.
1: There is a guy who teaches an art class once every year where. They get skulls from unidentified bodies, and Mm -hmm. he teaches them how to recognize those markers to develop a face and help try and find people who might know this unidentified body Uh, by the skulls. Mm -hmm. So they learn about the different markers on the face, and, and then they know, okay, if this is here, the face usually has this and then they're able to build up the muscles and develop the actual face of the person who passed.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Well, oh, but yeah, we're at uh, our First. limit or I'm at my limit. Cause I got to go bad.
2: Uh, but well, okay. So let's just for, just for a wrap up for my own edification, what would you say would be the core principles that you would want in
0: your variant? Core principles is that they are they're going to be more skinny than you imagine. They're not going to be as big and bulky as like you would see in Game of Thrones or Dragonheart or anything else. Because and they probably are not going to have these giant plates of scales on them because that's just so heavy that you you can't. They would not be able to fly, or they would have to need to eat so much that they could have so much energy that it also then defeats the purpose because they're even more heavy because they just ate a bunch of stuff. So yeah, like it's going to be a lot more skinny now, You can, but there are a lot of wiggle room where you can have different shapes and sizes of everything. Like you can probably have, because lizards, they range from a very different sizes everything else. Now the only issue is, I forgot to look it up. Uh, so like to explain like, the dragons, if or wyverns are of now, if they actually existed, they would also probably be a lot smaller than we think they would be, because we simply don't have enough oxygen in our environment. During the times of like the megafauna, way more oxygen, so they were able to breathe and be giant and inefficient because they didn't need to care as much. But like now, we're not going to have we don't aren't the largest animal is a, a land animal, is an elephant. And you compare an elephant to any kind of sauropod, uh, they're tiny by comparison because they we simp- they don't simply have enough uh, fuel to fuel their g- rapid growth. And also there is some ideas that a lot of times um, your, your body's going to become more efficient or the evolution, like things are going to be a little bit more efficient. Not our bodies, so yeah. So like you don't need big j- bodies to be able to function anymore okay so. uh this is this is actually kind of cool uh this is going to be a little bit of tangent sorry but this is really neat why stop now oh yeah exactly uh it was really kind of cool i was looking at the ev- or watching a video on like the evolution of our intestines and their stomachs so we can actually replicate our digestive system
2: hmm.
0: it, it takes up an entire room and i don't mean like my little office 10 by 10 i mean like it's like a building kind of size room i think it would be like my house okay and it's the exact same stuff that our guts do
2: oh
0: i was like so yeah we our bodies probably like you know slowly or evolved into being a little bit more efficient in some aspects but if something works then it's not going to change all that much okay the bullet points are it's gonna be it's gonna be skinny it's going to have uh like you know the bat wings probably yeah but uh and like that cuz that one's always weird but uh oh cuz i never brought this up the ratio, there is a ratio between wing size and body size okay uh but you know depending on what kind of flyer they are they're going to be have different ratios so i'm not going to say it's going to be this one because no it depends on which type you'd want or you're mm-hmm. going for and then it's, and then like, yeah, they would have different mechanisms for different types of extraordinary breath. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the two little spurs of the size of the mouths or okay. like, I don't know what the word would be. It would not be spur be, to spray out the two chemicals to yep. then they mix in the air and they make a kind of like a fiery explosion. Cause that's the okay. only one I, yeah. And then wings <laughs> whoop. flap. Yep. Okay. And they, and they could still have a long tail and okay. just like a, and how, how to train a dragon, I remember um, Toothless, like they had a fan on its tail to help yep. it fly. So, it can still do that, like birds, because that's what their tail feathers are mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Nice. That, that works. Okay. I think that works really well.
0: Yeah. Audience. Yeah. I'm going to make uh, an Instagram that like i said i would love to uh post at least my ideas of what these things are going to look like and then if you send you pictures of that i'm will like you know tag you and stuff like that and post your pictures because that'd be kind of cool and also um, we're gonna have an email next time we're gonna be talking about gorgons
2: gorgons i love gorgons
0: bye. bye bye sorry to interrupt but i need to let you know that we're going to be changing our release schedule We are doing this to make it more manageable for us. We will be releasing episodes every other week. I would love to make a new episode once a week, but right now that's just not in the cards. Thank you for your understanding. A Real Creature
2: Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to... RealCreatureFeature@gmail.com. feature at gmail.com you can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our instagram at a real creature feature some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous if you like the podcast please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you it really helps us out also tell your friends enemies and total strangers about the podcast they might enjoy it too and that can bring us all closer together